Hey, you listen to conservative talk radio all week. Why don't you try something different for a change? The Majority Report with Sam Cedar is a five-time award-winning daily left-wing political talk show. We go live every weekday at 11 a.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel. You can find it by searching for The Majority Report. We talk about the news. We take libertarian callers. We have debates. We interview guests on topics ranging from the post-Civil War Reconstruction era, child poverty, capitalism, the intellectual dark web, and more. And that's all just within the last month. If you want to hear what smart, progressive political talk that is occasionally amusing sounds like, then you need to tune in. And you're always welcome to call in if you want to hear the correct opinion on any given topic. I will give it to you. Tune in to the Majority Report at 11 a.m. Central Time on YouTube or later wherever you get your podcasts. WVNN. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. labor's rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Tennessee Valley, this is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, April 10th, 2021, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, April 11th, 2021, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama, and sometime next week on WHIV in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today, we are talking to Dr. Maximilian Alvarez, host of the Working People podcast and editor-in-chief of the Real News Network. We might be getting a dispatch from the picket line of the mine workers' strike, taking calls, and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Uh, so first off, remember, folks, the North Alabama DSA has a necessities drive this Saturday and every Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. at the IBEW Local 558 Union Hall in Huntsville on Clinton Avenue, right across from Yellowhammer and Campus 805. Swing by there and drop off some necessities, some non-perishable food items, some PPE blankets, clothes, stuff like that, and swing it by the IBEW Local 558 Union Hall on Clinton Avenue, right across from Yellowhammer and Campus 805 uh, in Huntsville from 3 to 5 p.m. this Saturday and every Saturday. All donations are forwarded to the Mana House. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips, 
about the news of the day, then you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments and release them throughout the week. We do upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps, so to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. We've got a website where uh, you can buy our hat, thevalleylaborreport.org. You can also get some... Uh, stickers there as well and finally if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air then consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the valley labor report as you can tell if you are watching the screen uh the the stream we've got uh we we've we've got a messed up monitor so we're gonna uh we're, we're gonna be either having to pay for a repair for that or i mean it's my fault so I'm going to be paying for at least some of it out of my pocket uh, and maybe some out of the show funds. But, you know, have to, going to have to repair, pay to repair that or get a new one, which is a bummer. But, you know, anyway. So we've got on the line today Dr. Maximilian Alvarez. He is the host of the Working People podcast and editor-in-chief of The Real News Network. He's very busy. So, Dr. Max, thank you very much for taking the time to join us this morning. Of course, brothers. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, David uh, reminded me that you had uh, you had successfully defended your dissertation. I I uh, I had forgotten all about that. Um, so that's got to feel that's got to feel really nice. <laughs> it's uh, it does. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's weird to kind of think back of all that's how on all that's happened this year and in pandemic conditions but i've been yeah technically out of graduate school for for a number of years but i hadn't ever really fully finished my dissertation to get my doctorate you know because i started working um out here in the dc and baltimore area and so uh the clock you know finally ran out and i and i had to either meet that deadline or uh, not get that piece of paper and so thankfully yeah this past summer while juggling the podcast and my full-time job and living through a pandemic, I managed to get my doctorate. So thanks, guys. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's really cool. What was your dissertation on, if you don't mind? Well, you said you didn't. You you said that uh, you weren't going to be releasing it publicly. So never mind. You don't have to answer that. No, I can I can tell you. I mean, like you know, it's relevant. Um, I just don't want to. I don't, I don't have any plans to publish it because it's more of one of those things that, like, I think there's value in it. But I mean, it was very much written for academics, uh, and so right. it would take a lot of time to turn it into what I want it to be. Right. And I'm still too scarred from the experience uh, <laughs> to want to think about that now. So maybe sometime <laughs> down the road. But I mean, it's related to kind of what we're doing here, right? right. So I, I studied, um, you know the relationship between uh, media and radical politics in early 20th century Mexico. Um, I looked at um, kind of anarchist Mexican political groups and communist Mexican political groups on either side of the Mexican revolution and wanted to think about 
you know, not just how they used the media that was available to them at the time, right? Newspapers and, you know, distributing those newspapers through the post office and yada, yada, yada. But how the the changes in the media technologies of the 20th century actually shaped the ways that they organized, right? And shaped the ways that uh, they thought they could achieve their political goals and the things that they did with with media. So, you know, I think it's I think it's relevant to to what we're doing here. So, but it's basically in a nutshell, yeah, like the relationship between media and how we use it and and how that affects kind of the ways that we engage in politics. It's oh, gotcha. it's interesting that you would say you don't want to release it because I, I know a redneck from Alabama that has read as much as i could ever read on zapatistas and that's something that sounds like it would be right up my alley as far as uh learning you know what mm-hmm. was going on down there on the on the on the on the radical left in mexico i love those folks i mean i absolutely love those folks oh yeah i mean i think um you know if if, if uh <clears throat> maybe one or two people uh caught this easter egg but when you guys did your fabulous interview with uh uh dr robin kelly um i was in the live chat and i actually asked him a question about like you know we're talking about how a lot of uh you know black um, you know, kind of communists in the South were reading stuff about the Soviet Union. I was like, I'm curious to know, you know, how much of them were reading about the Mexican Revolution, which, yeah. as we know, preceded the the Bolshevik Revolution. Um, and he gave a really, really interesting answer there. But I think you're absolutely right, David. Um, there's a lot of really interesting kind of history there. And um, the Zapatistas were going to be a full chapter in the original dissertation. Uh, for, for folks who are listening, you may remember the Zapatistas uh, were the kind of indigenous uh, group that, that emerged from the uh, jungle to reject the uh, 1994 kind of uh, uh, North American Free Trade Agreement um, because of everything that it meant for them and uh, their, their, the land that they lived on. Um, and they, they're still going strong today. But, um, yeah, David, I think you would really be interested in um, the second chapter of this dissertation, which is on um, the radical uh, liberal-turned-anarchist uh, Ricardo Flores Magón yep. um, mm-hmm. and his newspaper, Regeneración, which was uh, made in the United States while these radicals were in exile and trying to kind of get the people ready for a revolution across the border in Mexico with this newspaper. So it was really interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the pushback on neoliberalism I mean, and, 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 and the fact that, you know, we hear so much and especially in the South, but uh, Trump has turned it basically nationwide and unfortunately worldwide with Brexit. Uh, you know, the, the, the immigrants uh, that are coming here, but that are basically being forced here by neoliberalism uh, because of our U.S. P- political legislation and uh, and and fascist uh, inter intertwinement with corporations and, and those mm. folks down there didn't want it. They didn't want anything to do with it. But right. yet, you know, all of our folks blame these people for coming here when they when really they're to the point where they have no choice with the exception of like what the zapatistas have done and basically created their own their own social you know their own society there to where they take care of themselves and the mutual aid between each other it's just it's a beautiful thing it's unfortunate that it came about the way it came about but it's a beautiful thing to see now 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and for, for anyone listening, like, if you, the deeper you dig into this history, the clearer uh, what David said ju- be- becomes. The mm-hmm. the clearer the things that David said become, right? Because, um, you know, you're talking about, David, that, uh, like, the kind of, yeah, like, you have, we have consistent waves of, of migration that are caused by, you know, uh, neoliberal policies imposed and neoliberal forms of, of economics and politics that are imposed on countries in the global south by countries like the U.S. that create kind of the economic and, and political conditions that drive people away from their homes uh, to seek, you know, uh, the ability to make a livelihood in the United States. So it's very much a feedback loop. And the thing that I just wanted to throw in here before before we move on is that this has been going on for a long time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you go back to the time of the Amer- of the Mexican Revolution, over a century ago, right? It was in. It was like you know, more or less ended like right around a century ago from where we are now. You had a bunch of uh, powerful American political and business interests who were trying to push the revolution to go a certain way, who were trying to get certain leaders to take control because they would uh, prioritize securing like American interests, right? Because what they were worried about, they didn't care about democracy for the people. They didn't care about the people not having to live under a brutal dictator uh, in Porfirio Diaz. They only cared about, are we going to be able to keep our claims on like these mines, right? Or are we going to be able to hold these, um, these these, these uh, uh, gas reserve or oil reserves, right? And so that's all that we've ever cared about in this country. And we have imposed our will on so many other countries and we should not be surprised when the result of that is people fleeing those countries coming here because that's the only option that we have left them with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it's definitely important for folks to recognize that the push factor is much greater than the pull factor. Like people aren't coming here because they're like they they're enamored with like the prospects of America. They're being pushed out by oftentimes American foreign policy and things like that. Um, yeah, we got uh, about a minute. Yeah. So minute. well, uh, and, and so th- this isn't exactly how I imagined the, the conversation being structured, <laughs> but but it's it, I did want to hit on this, and and so I'll, I'll pose the question, and I'll let you ha- answer it on the other side of this break, um, and and so, you know. Uh, Max, you said before we went on the, on the air, you know, you're not an organizer. You're like a media person. And uh, David and I have, for the last year or so, kind of straddled that line. David has has lived most of his life in the labor movement as purely an organizer. And, and you know, so everybody on, listening on the radio, maybe uh, you don't know if you don't follow him on Twitter, David is going to be transitioning away from the show over the, over the, past, over the next month or so because, uh, you know, the reason that we wanted to start this is that we we wanted it to be an organizing tool and it takes a lot of time right and and you know david is the president of his local union and he's got a lot of responsibilities and so he felt like he's just not able to you know do enough of the real kind of organizing work they've got campaigns that they're doing uh outside of his shop you know and and so he wants to to focus more time on that as opposed to the media aspect of it and so you know max i'm interested in how 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 do you feel like media can be used as an organizing tool as a media person and and you mentioned a ceiling what is the ceiling there and how should people like david and i kind of think about our role in the labor movement and and where should we you know spend our time and 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 you know 
I don't. I've got a really hard time with it as well. Um, I'm gonna at least be sticking it a little bit longer than with it a little bit longer than David. But I'm interested in your thoughts, Max. We're gonna hear that on the other side. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. WVNN. Depend on it. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is...
name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story on the line. We've got Dr. Maximilian Alvarez of the Working People Podcast and Editor-in-Chief of the Real News Network. So, like I said, on the other side of the break, David is going to be transitioning out of the show over the next month or so to devote more of his time to, like, actual, not media organizing work. And David, was there anything that, that, that you wanted to throw out there that I that I didn't highlight on the other side? No, I mean, I would just say, you know, I do not have an aversion to what we're doing. I think what we're doing is extremely important work. I think what Max does is extremely important work. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there doing this type of work that's, you know, it's, that's, I mean, if it hadn't have been for Max, I, I, I mean, and I've never told Max this, but I think you would agree. If it hadn't have been for Max, really jumpstarting us when we before we ever even got on air, I don't think we would have seen the traction uh, that we did early mm-hmm. on. But but and right. and so and I say that, and, and also to say that you know I've listened to all these podcasts and I love them. Every everywhere I go. Whether I'm at work, uh, what I've got my headphones in and I'm constantly learning. So mm-hmm. it's not that I have an aversion to it, and I don't think it's not that I don't think that it's unimportant. It right. is the problem that I have is splitting time mm-hmm. and devote because this for what for what anybody thinks uh, out there that listens to a podcast every week mm-hmm. and it's an hour hour and a half maybe two hours long uh, the amount of energy that goes into that the prior week i mean it is just overwhelming you know and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm already at 60 hours a a week working at least another 10 to 15 with the union Mm -hmm. i I mean there's only so many hours in a day so you know i just want people to know that i think this is good work i will i will be I will be so happy to be able to listen to the show and not have to <laughs> schedule and yeah. and deal with the back end. So yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. And I don't. And it's not that I don't think this is not a good organizing tool. I think it's an yeah. ex- exceptional organizing tool. It's just not. It's not what my my passion is talking mm-hmm. to people face to face and shaking hands and feeling the the camaraderie and the love that you do not get uh across or through a radio show or through a screen it's just right. it's so impersonal for me yeah and i just i can't it's been difficult mm-hmm. so yeah so max what are your thoughts well my first thought is um you know perhaps for someone who never anticipated uh or never saw themselves for being on the radio. Um, David has been a gift to left media and labor media um, over these past months um, because of what you just said, David. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, my own kind of desire to to use media uh, in a way that is useful to working people, right? And to offer media as something that can be an organizing tool that can be a tool for building solidarity amongst working people, not only in the United States, but internationally, right? I know that that's a very uphill battle, right? But, um, you know, really I am guided by that same desire that you were talking about, right? To to have those human moments, right? To really kind of um, listen to people, right? And, and to 
genuinely communicate that that listening is not conditional, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to sit and listen to your story only so long as you say the right thing, yeah. right? Or, or you, you give me what I'm looking for. I really just, you know, in a lot of ways, imagine myself as kind of sitting at this table in the digit in this fast paced kind of digital world wanting to kind of hold someone's hand, look them in the eye and and assure them that I'm here to listen to them for an hour and a half uh, talk about their life and, and make sure that they know that their life and their story matters, um, that their story deserves to be told and that they're not alone in this world. Right. And, and I think that that, you know, if we can, the, we'll never be able to, like you said, David, it'll never be a replacement for the kind of face-to-face -face kind of interaction that you need to have as an organizer. But I think it's like the, the you know, the closer that we can get, the close, the more that we strive to get to that point with media, the more that we try to bridge that kind of gap between us in a world where we are already so alienated from one another, uh, the better. Yeah. What, what about you, Jacob? I, you know, I, I, I def, I agree with that. I think it can't, you know, like, uh, you know, like David, I've got, I've got stuff in, in that I'm doing in my union and I'm on the elections committee now. And so the last few weeks have been, uh, <clears throat> have been pretty busy for me. <laughs> you know, and I think, but here's the thing, because I hear the hesitation in your voice as well. And I think what yeah. people have to, people that listen to the show and especially, you know, not the listeners in our radio audience, the people that are going to hear the show in washington state or portland mm. or baltimore or you know maybe even uh, uh, austin they don't they well maybe they do but there is so little boots on the ground organizing going on in our state mm -hmm. that you we look at it as we're trying to fill so many roles right. that are not being filled and it's it's you know uh, unlike what is happening in in the rest of the nation you yeah. know where you have a, already a large uh a, a you know a, a large coalition of people that are doing multiple things i could easily do this show and en mm -hmm. and enjoy the hell out of it but right but also there, recognizing that by doing so this much, show I'm, I'm not doing I'm, something exactly, else right yeah exactly. that's that's my biggest you know because like david said there's so much work that needs to be done and and because of the fact that there are people out there nationally that are doing really good work you know like you like kim kelly like jane mcalevy and so you know um when when we started it the we were hoping to really and 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 we've heard we've heard a few stories uh that that kind of give us a little bit of hope but we wanted to really affect the local media scene and and do more locally and so um and you know i don't know money to this crap hole yeah i mean you know I, i'm very big on being extremely particular about who and what i give my money to mm -hmm. and the fact that we're giving this amount of money to this piece of 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 uh this terrible radio station that puts yeah. out the, the worst <laughs> propaganda that i've yeah. ever heard uh, and that's really 
disheartening to me to know yeah. that they're they're buying their dinners with that with our money. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I've got mixed feelings about it. I, I think, I hope that we're doing good work, but there's so much work that needs to be done and only so many people to do it here in Alabama. So I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to be talking to Max some more on the other side. Stay tuned. Huntsville's number one news, talk and weather station. WVNN FM, WVNN FM Trinity. A cumulus station. It's 10 o'clock. From ABC News. I'm Brian Clark. There's a problem with supply levels of one of the three coronavirus vaccines authorized for use in the U.S. An issue at a production facility in Baltimore is slowing output of Johnson & Johnson's single-dose vaccine. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Friday, They remain committed to meeting their contract of delivering 100 million doses by the end of May. But ABC's Trevor Alt in New York says there will be an immediate impact. States across the country prepping for a massive drop in supplies of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Availability set to plummet 85% this coming week. And it's not expected to recover until federal regulators approve manufacturing at a Baltimore plant where millions of doses were contaminated. President Biden's calling for a 23% budget increase in the next budget for the Department of Health and Human Services. He told reporters Friday. This is a pioneer breakthrough that we hope we can detect and treat, prevent diseases like Alzheimer's and diabetes and give us a chance to end cancer as we know it because we'll focus exclusively on those items. Day 10 of the Derek Chauvin murder trial saw the Hennepin County Chief Medical Examiner, Dr. Andrew Baker, testify. Jurors hearing highly anticipated testimony from Dr. Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, who performed George Floyd's autopsy, saying his body just couldn't handle the restraint from officers. The, the law enforcement subdual restraint and the neck compression was just more than Mr. Floyd could take by virtue of that, those heart conditions. The prosecution hoping to convince the jury it was Chauvin's knee that killed Floyd. But the defense says those heart problems and Floyd's drug use ultimately led to his death. That's ABC's Rena Roy in Minneapolis. Across the United Kingdom, there were 41 gun salutes for 41 minutes in honor of Prince Philip a day after his death at 99. You're listening to ABC News. Would you get on an airplane if you knew it had a 50% chance of crashing? You may be riding that plane right now. If you have your money in a 401k or IRA and you plan to take out the recommended percentage each year when you retire, your chance of running out of money is 50%. 50%. But there's a better and safer way to secure your income in retirement. Discover how in a free book called Rescue Your Retirement. This wealth-building strategy has never had a losing year in more than a century. In fact, even the man who invented the 401k now prefers this method instead. Get Rescue Your Retirement free for just a small shipping charge and enjoy a safe landing and a comfortable retirement. Get this free book and make sure you don't run out of money. Hurry, this offer is extremely limited. To get your free copy, just go to growwealthsafely.com. That's growwealthsafely.com to discover how to rescue your retirement. GrowWealthSafely.com. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all.
News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. All right, folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story on the line. We've got Dr. Maximilian Alvarez from the Working People's Podcast, the editor-in-chief of the Real News Network, and, and we've been talking about the role of media in organizing the future of the show and things like that. And, you know, look, like, uh, you know, there there's definitely there's definitely a down vibe, obviously, because, like, David's leaving over the next month, and he is, he, he brings, like, a wealth of knowledge that I don't have. You know, he's been doing this work since the AFL was formed, right? You know, I mean, he's been here forever. He's but been here for ages. And, you know, uh, the, the the campaign lost. But look, we've got, yeah. o- over the last over the last, just the last week, David and I have seen more, like, testimonials of how this show has affected people than we have probably over the show's existence. You know, yeah. we've gotten multiple people on Twitter saying that, like, our interviews with the Amazon workers uh, convinced people to join their organizing committee on their jobs. Uh, they've sent us they've, – they've told us um, – through DMs and on Twitter and on Facebook and things like that, that like, look, we sent your, uh, you know, we we sent some of your clips to some of our coworkers yeah. and they've joined the organizing committee. They've joined the union. Now they're going to, you know, we're like, you have been an inspiration to us. And so, you know, like, I don't want to get too down. I'm going to be doing the show for a, uh, you know, for a long time moving forward. Uh, but, you know, th- there is there is a certain amount of like, like, uh, you know, we Every everybody's been a bit gut punched, uh, you know, f- uh, over the last week or so. But you know, Max, do you have anything to say say on that? I mean, I think it's a really it's a really important point to to underscore, right? I mean, like you said, um, the elephant in the room is that we're all very bone weary and and yeah. um, I think very upset, disappointed about the results of the union election in Bessemer, yeah. right? I mean, you know. All of us invested, I think, a lot of hope and a lot of energy, right, into mm-hmm. this uh, union election, into the workers and organizers there. We became close with a lot of them, right? Yeah. And, and and we really we really cared about the outcome of this because we yeah. knew what it meant. I guess to, to kind of maybe circle back to what we were talking about before the break, right, is that it wasn't just, you know... It, it, it's never just an election, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and it's our job, I believe, as media makers to help other people around the country understand that, that it's not just an election with a number count. Mm-hmm. It is life, the lives of yeah. working people um, who are trying to live with dignity, who are trying to provide for their family, who are trying to make the most out of the one time that we have to go around on this earth, right? Yeah. You know, to 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 live and honor their own humanity in a way that you know allows them to go on vacation, right? That allows them to you know have more say in their working conditions. I know that I won't wax too philosophic here, but I think that you know one of the reasons for that exhaustion and 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 you know the all the emotions that we're feeling right now. Right. Is like, you know, I, I think we just have to feel them. I think we have to process mm-hmm. them. I don't think we should run away from them. Um, but I think that, you know, I just wanted to kind of be upfront with people that, you know, the the obviously we are all losing uh, a lot with um, with David kind of departing from the show. But I think that, you know, his reasons make tons of sense uh, for doing so. 
Um, but, you know, as far as kind of our feelings about the Amazon um, union election, right, I think that, that, you know, there is a real kind of basic point that, um, you know, the, the, the people who whose lives are going to be impacted by this are the ones that we're thinking about. And that's mm-hmm. that's why we're so, you know, kind of deflated right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of talk radio personalities across the state, uh, some conservative politicians, uh, conservative think tank folks um conservative politicians across the country really gloating over the workers loss here in bessemer and um i've had to not respond you know because i i'm you know it really in my feelings about it um because you know like like you you know the if i responded it would have been it it wouldn't have been good for me or or, or for it it would have just it would have been very emotional and 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 i'm still very you know i'm still very emotional about it you know like like you said max like this isn't this isn't you know like a like a damn game to us you know like we we got close to the organizers like they're I, you know, th- there are brothers and sisters now. Josh Brewer, Randy Hadley, Jennifer, uh, 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 you know, Jennifer Bates, Daryl Richardson. You know, those folks, like, they're my family now, and I care about them, and I care about their lives and the lives of their coworkers and what's going to happen to them. And, like, uh, it's, you know, it's it's not a game. And, and when I've seen these, these folks gloating about, like, it's... Here's, I, it's here's literally raised my. It's I have been red in the face here's about it. Here's something that, I mean, that people that those people need to come to grips with, and it's something that I try to bridge the gap. Being the old white guy in the room, uh, if you're a conservative listener out there, and and you reveled in the loss of Amazon. And in the past year, you've called into this station and talked about getting people off of social services, getting people out of, uh, you know, food stamps, SNAP programs, mm-hmm. uh, all of these, all of these services that you constantly rail against, these government services that provide for the least among us, and you turn around and and cheer on people losing this election when this these elections is what brings people out of that poverty level and moves them into uh you know a a situation to where they can actually provide for their families without having Mm -hmm. to humble themselves and anybody that thinks that you know the welfare queen is is alive and and well today is absolute uh, is an absolute (laughs) idiot yeah these people humble themselves because they have to and this provides the unionism provides them a path to begin to provide for their families mm-hmm. and retire with dignity without having yeah. to rely on on subsidies for the rest of their lives so you are you are in effect if you are one of those people that were out there cheering last week you are in effect spotting your own self mm-hmm. you know it's 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 insanity you yeah. there there's no there's no uh, there's no other path either we start paying people a living wage mm-hmm. or we provide for their their living through social services there is no other path it's just as simple as that 
Yeah. Well, and it gets, I mean, like, uh, for for conservative listeners, and I guess just to be upfront, you know, I've said this on my show, Working People, many, many times. Um, I grew up very conservative, right? I, mm-hmm. uh, I spent half of my life as a very Catholic, conservative, um, you know, first-generation Mexican-American. And so I, I, I get where this sentiment comes from. I felt it myself. Mm-hmm. And the more that I have learned about uh, what David is talking about, um, the more that I've realized that, uh, yeah, in fact, the very thing that I as a conservative wanted to see in the world was actually uh, being made uh, harder to achieve by, <laughs> you know, things like this. And it actually gets worse, right? Because, um, you know, I was on I was on the hills uh, rising this this week, kind of talking about this. It's not just that, as Caleb Brennan, uh, who recently wrote a great piece for us at the Real News about the Amazon Union election, pointed out. Amazon, as the second largest private employer in the United States, is among the the companies that employs the most workers who are on SNAP benefits, yeah. uh, who receive mm-hmm. SNAP benefits, like David was saying. So if you want those those workers to not be, you know, quote unquote, dependent on social services like that, then you should take a hard look at why so many Amazon workers depend on those right. social services and how perhaps having a union could uh, help lift them up to a a higher socioeconomic strata. But on top of that, to add to what David said, is uh, if you want to talk about welfare queens, Amazon is probably the biggest welfare queen in the country, right? I don't like that term. I'm not going to keep using it, but just to kind of use the term, the common language that we have right now, it's Amazon doesn't pay taxes. Uh, I mean, like, and they have, they make so much money that it's unfathomable. It's as unfathomable to imagine the the wealth and power that Amazon has, it's it's as unfathomable to us as the size of the universe, right? I can't emphasize that enough. You 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 do not know how much power and money this company has, and then when you when you know, but when you understand that, and then you realize that well, they're not actually paying taxes, and in fact, it's worse than that. We're paying them. Yeah. Right. Both on the front end and on the back end. Remember the circus that we had a couple of years ago when Amazon wanted to build its second headquarters. Yeah. Right. And and every and it wanted to make every city in the country tap dance for it and and say we're going to give you this much uh, tax breaks. Right. We're going to give you this much in rebates. We're going to give this much of our social infrastructure uh, to you and let you do what you want with it. Right. So Amazon's wealth and power is the result of sucking up all of those social uh, resources that are supposed to kind of provide for the people of this country and are instead going into the coffers of this private entity uh, whose who's, uh, founder and CEO is the richest man in, in the damn world, right? But then also on the back end, right? Like I said, like, you know, they're getting tax rebates. So so in effect, yeah, if you want to talk about welfare queens, um, you know, there here you go. Amazon is it, right? The, th- the thing that you are pissed off about may be right but you're pissed off about the wrong person or the wrong entity right exactly yeah Yeah. and and you know our favorite politician just this past week put out you know and it's 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 known to us but it's not known to a lot of our listeners 49 of the top 50 corporations in the united states paid zero dollars in taxes this past year now i don't know you know we're talking about you know raising the corporate taxes not even to the level that it was before Trump yeah before Trump yeah. took office but just getting it back to a fair 
fair tax rate. I mean, you're talking about god ungodly amounts of money that that these corporations refuse to pay, and it's and it's off the backs of the working people of the United States that everything in this country happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and and you know, one of the things that that. Uh, that somebody said was that oh this means that they're happy and this means that they're well taken care of and that's just silly like we know we know the conditions they work under we know the pay that they get the median salary there is like $15 an hour for a logistics job like the propaganda that they've been able to do around the $15 an hour wage is amazing because $15 an hour was envisioned as a minimum wage for like a service employee not as a median wage for a logistics employee this was supposed to be a job to support a family and they've been able to just totally turn it into a mick job it's, it's absurd we're going to be right back with max stay tuned you're listening to the valley labor report with david story and jacob morrison the attorneys at maples tucker and jacobs have stood with the working people of alabama for over 40 years providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims when you are injured on the job it can be a scary time but the attorneys at maples tucker and jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected if you need help call the attorneys at maple tucker and jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtn j.com no representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms the valley labor report is also supported by listeners like you if you value the work that we are doing injecting a different perspective into talk radio and you have the means consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the valley labor report Again, that's patreon.com forward slash The Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 3334 that's 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at net. and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. WVNN Afternoons with Yeffy. Weekdays 2 till 5 p.m. All right, folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. We've got on the line Dr. Maximilian Alvarez. 
He is the host of the Working People podcast, the editor-in-chief of the Real News Network. We've been talking about uh, the Amazon election, uh, the loss by the workers in the NLRB election. Um, and, you know, like like I said, you know, there was, uh, there, there was somebody that was saying that this means that the workers are happy and that they were well taken care of. And you can go through and listen to any of our interviews. I would recommend, I would recommend even more than ours, honestly, going and, and listening to Max's interviews with Jennifer and Daryl because they were able to get into it more. But you can listen to ours, too. They're, like the working conditions there are not good, right? And they don't get paid enough for what they do. And any other time people could agree to that because this is logistics work. Like this is a job that in a prior in a prior era, you could support a family on one income. Okay, and so uh, the the loss does not mean that they're the the loss of the workers, the win by the company does not mean that they're well taken care of. It means that they were scared out of uh, voting for uh, voting voting to organize because I mean we know for a fact that Amazon violated the law. We know for a fact that they did everything within the law that is coercive and intimidating in nature to get people to vote against the union, uh, to get people to vote against organizing for better wages and working conditions because um, they, don't, they don't want to do that. They don't, want to, they don't want to make sure that their workers are well taken care of. And so I don't want to hear anything about like, oh, well, they're well taken care of. That's a silly, that's a silly position to hold. And, and especially, and you know, I don't know, like, I, the organizers there, I know they poured their heart and soul into it. They worked day in and day out. They missed dinner with families. They missed time with uh, with wives and children and 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 communities and churches. Uh, you know, I mean, they took like they have been in this fight for twenty four seven for the past six months, and they've given it everything that they had. You know. I'm sure that if they had stuff to do over again, that there would there may be things organizing wise, technique, strategy that they would do a bit differently. But uh, but you know, primarily, I think, especially for the purpose of this show, like the the we've got to we've got to talk about and we've got to broaden the understanding of the terrible, awful, no good, illegal, coercive tactics that Amazon employed. Um, you know, but. Uh, um, and you know, and Max, if you've got if you've got any anything else to to say about that, but the the next thing, you know, uh, I wonder about. You said that you had some self reflection on covering the Amazon campaign, and there are a lot of media that that's going to be going through some some kind of self reflection and, and and perhaps even some self criticism on on the way it was covered and how 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 everybody how we covered it. What you know, in, any thoughts on? what we should foreground in the loss of the election and then some reflection on the media in 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 this election yeah for sure i mean i guess like i'll i'll kind of work my way through the progression there and we may have to talk about the media thing after the next break but um i think it's really important what you just laid out right and i think one thing that i i want to underscore for people is that for a country uh, that feels like it has the right um, to judge the the uh, democracies of other countries, 
right? Uh, Americans are very quick to kind of assume that this union election unfolded in a way that was fair and democratic. It was not. And in fact, the as you guys uh, have been really uh, exceptional at pointing out week after week, right? Any union election in, in any workforce that is trying to unionize is going to be facing an incredibly mm-hmm. steep uphill battle uh, that is the product of decades and even centuries of anti-worker culture and anti-worker legislation that has been designed uh, to put all the cards in the hands of the bosses and to make things as difficult as possible for workers uh, to to unionize and have democracy in the workplace, right? So if, we, if we're if we really rushing to kind of say, well, you know, the fair, democratic, you know, and, and, and objective kind of process decided emphatically that workers do not want a union, it's very much uh, more complicated than that. Um, but, you know, before we get to the media thing, I think I just want to kind of really, really put my cards on the table here and talk about where I'm at right now, right? We, we learned yesterday that the union vote was defeated, uh, soundly defeated by the process that the NLRB has set up. We know that the RWDSU is now kind of filing a motion uh, demanding that the NLRB investigate Amazon's illegal union-busting tactics over the course of this election. And there's a lot that uh, a lot of information that still needs to come out about that. So here's where I am in all of this. Yeah. Well, right? and really quick though, I mean, it's it's theoretically possible that even under fair circumstances the union could have lost, but I think the extent of their law breaking is going to give the union a free chance to do a rerun if they want it. And you know, that's really Amazon's that's really on Amazon that that they broke the law so fragrantly that if if the union wants to and if they believe they've got a shot, that they're going to have another go at this, I think. But I'm I'm sorry. I just I wanted to throw that out there. No, I mean I think I think you're absolutely right. And I mean these are discussions that need to happen, right? There needs to be a lot of honest uh, and and I think um, you know serious reflection on the election itself, the union campaign. Uh, as I've said before. Um, I'm not an organizer. I don't feel it's my place to really kind of participate in those discussions. I just want to learn what I can from them. But, you know, what I was saying is that at the moment, I I can't even really bring myself to do that just yet. Right. You know, when yeah. we were kids and, and you know, you remember those moments when, you know, your friends just kept kind of running along, but you needed to kind of just sit on a rock, give them a wave and say, you know, you guys go on ahead. I'll, I'll catch up. Yeah. Right. That's that's basically where I'm at right now. Right. I see I see a lot of takes flying around online, a lot of people rushing to make, you know, bold conclusions uh, about this election from a picture that I think still needs to get a lot clearer before we can do an effective and, and respectful uh, post-mortem or whatever you want to call it. I personally don't like that term. Um, I also see, you know, a lot of people rushing to judge the union as if a lot of thought did not go into this campaign and the decisions that were made. You can think they're the wrong decisions, but do not delude yourself into thinking that the union was just bumbling its way through this. We know that's right. not true. But of course, you know, I, I also see a lot of smart, and useful analysis being offered and a lot of love and and solidarity being expressed towards the workers and organizers in Bessemer, you know, for 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 showing us what bravery and and a righteous cause truly looks like. Right. I, I see a lot of stuff happening right now 
but frankly, I just need to sit on a rock, uh, and, and, you know, I'll catch up in a bit. You know, I, I need time to process and maybe that's because I'm too thin skinned, right? I mean, this is where we get to the media thing. <laughs> maybe I'm just too much of a sap, right? Mm -hmm. and, and anyone who knows anything about me knows that it's no secret that I am a big, dumb, emotional sap, right? I mean, I can't, I can't even focus on the news that I need to keep track of right now as it comes out. Because as we were saying, I, all I can think about are the workers and organizers back there. You know, all I can, they're all I'm thinking about right now. Um, I got I got to see just a small sliver of the marathon that you were talking about, J Jacob, the marathon that they've been running for many months. Daryl Richardson, Jennifer Bates, Big Mike, Randy Hadley, Joshua Brewer, Adam Obernauer, all of the many people that I'm also leaving out. Right. I just want to give them all a big hug and remind them that we yeah. love them and we are with them always. And now, you know, I am I am left reflecting on what that means for us in media, like, you know, what that means for me in, in, in my role in the media. Um, I, I don't know, but I, that's, that's kind of what I want to reflect on. But frankly, um, you know, right now I just don't have it in me to kind of think about what steps to take away from this. I'm just in it present at the moment, thinking about the human beings behind this, this Amazon union election. It's, yeah. it's so difficult for me. And this is kind of where and I'm not going to criticize the media uh, on air. I'll say I'll make that <laughs> caveat. But it is very difficult for me as a trained organizer and as someone that has organized workplaces and as someone that has sit for the past, what, two months in zoom calls with over 100 of and a uh, uh, 100 plus mm -hmm. of some of the greatest organizing minds in this nation uh some of my best friends that 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 i've uh, made along the way to criticize these people without understanding what went on in mm -hmm. in those calls is is flippant you know and and yeah. to, and and i realize the media plays a part and i think critique is an important part of that but without knowing and and a lot of them would say well y'all didn't tell us well no we're not going to tell you we yeah. don't we, we're not going to sit here and lay out all the cards on the table for you to report on it as this unfolds because who reads those cards right. you know the dealer and the dealer is Amazon. And even after, to try to come in one day after and and critique and make some of the comments that I read was just like, I don't know, man. It's really yeah. it's really hard. It's hard for me to watch because mm -hmm. it's like I said yesterday. You know, the greatest minds are on Twitter. Just ask yeah. them if you don't believe me. And yeah, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate, yeah. but that's where we're at. But that is where we're at. I think it's incumbent upon the organizers that were doing the work to critique themselves and, mm -hmm. and damn the media yeah yeah well yeah i mean the i mean like max said and like david said i mean we there's just so much so much love and solidarity flowing from us to those folks in the rwdsu and at amazon and so um we're going to talk about the mine worker strike on the other side stay you're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. 
The national supply of Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine is going to drop because of a problem at a production facility in Baltimore. Meanwhile, four states have temporarily halted distributions at some sites of the Johnson & Johnson shot after some people were reported adverse reactions. Virologist Dr. Paul Offit tells ABC News. People got anxious, so they started to hyperventilate. They had tingling in their hands and feet. They felt nauseated, sometimes vomited. And when you see one person do that at a site, that only makes you all the more anxious. And I think that's what happened at a few of those sites. And one health one site in Colorado is only going to use Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, saying that's mainly because of supply. UNC Health in North Carolina is resuming Johnson & Johnson shots today. The CDC has said it is safe. The medical examiner who performed George Floyd's autopsy testified Friday. He stands by his ruling. Floyd's death was a homicide. Derek Shulman's attorneys have argued it was caused by a heart condition or drugs. And all American carriers using the 737 MAX jets have grounded them because of a potential electrical problem. Brian Clark, ABC News. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855 617 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. Have an Amazon Echo? Just say, Alexa, play WVNN. And you'll always have the only radio station of relevance in Alabama. WVNN. WVNN. Put it there, boy, and we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host David Story and Dr. Maximilian Alvarez. And host. I think it's important to point out who's sitting behind me because my yeah. wife said, hey, who's sitting behind me? Oh, yeah, you can't. I don't know if you can, but uh, but so um, like, like I've said... Uh, David is going to be transitioning away from the show, and uh, we're bringing on Adam Keller. He is an educator, labor organizer in the area that both of us uh, have known for quite some time. He's a great guy, and so we're, he's going to be he's going to be filling some pretty big shoes. Uh, but we're really excited to, to bring him on. So yeah, Adam Adam has been uh, hanging out with us the past couple of weeks and learning the ropes. So Adam, 
Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, there's no way I can feel David's shoes, but I'll definitely try. You, may, you yeah. can feel my shoes. You may not be able to feel my pants, but I can promise you, you can feel my shoes. My shoes aren't too big. My pants, on the other hand, has kind of increased with my numerical age bracket, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you know, today, today, you know, we're just we're we're just hanging out. We're in our fields today, and and you know, there's like a uh, you know that w- with all the back backseat quarterback, and you know, one of the things was that oh, they should have stuck with the original unit. You know, originally they wanted to they only wanted fifteen the, to to go for the fifteen hundred member unit, um, and and Amazon said no, you got to do it wall to wall, and they had the cards to to do a wall to wall election, and so they went forward with that decision, and it's hard to fault them for that. You know. Hindsight maybe has some more clarity. Clarity, maybe they should have fought the battle to keep the unit smaller. But you know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, with where they were, it seemed it seemed like the right decision to us. You know, it, at the time, certainly. But you know, what, yeah, and that what do was you something do? that my my wife had texted me and said, would it not have been easier to try to organize a smaller unit, you know, and break these folks down? And that was that was kind yeah. of what the it, they did try to go minority unit right. uh, in the beginning and. You know, yeah. who knows? I mean, yeah. it's you got to throw a touchdown pass every once in a while mm-hmm. and, and try to air it out, and they and they tried to air it out. And I thought, you know, whenever whenever they went after the fifteen hundred person unit, and I've seen uh, McAlevey comment on they didn't know the number. They knew the number. The number was they were going after a minority unit, which was just these package handlers. And when the company tried to force their hand, and they had all these cards signed, then they thought, mm-hmm. "Hey, yeah, what, what the hell? It. Let's let's yeah. let's make a run." And I don't think I don't right. think you can second guess that kind of thought process because it is a coin toss. Is yeah. it easier to organize a minority unit? Absolutely. But when you're sitting on almost two thousand cards, cards right yeah. then. And you're like, I don't know, man. Uh, but at the same time, when you did not realize that the turnover is 20 to 50 employees per day, and I think that's something right. that has gotten glossed over and nobody is looking at in a in a 6,000-employee 6, 6, uh, workplace that 20 to 50 of those people are walking out, getting walked out mm-hmm. every day. That is – I don't care uh, – Jesus could come to Amazon Bessemer and have a difficult time feeding the masses with that kind of constant turnover. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, when uh, like if you have a bathtub, right, and you got the faucet on, but you also got the drain open. Right. So water's coming in, water's going out. It's like trying to organize that right Right. over the course of like six months and even longer. Right. It is a a steep uphill climb. Again, I want to I want to remind folks of what I said in the last segment. I don't think it's my place to really talk about kind of the organizing strategy. I will listen and learn right now. uh, I am too in my fields, as Jacob said, to really be able Mm -hmm. to track that and i just want to send love and solidarity out yeah. to to all the workers and organizers there i respect and understand uh, that there are people for whom <clears throat> this provides like an essential learning period to talk about things from the organizing side mm-hmm. and more power to them the only thing that i would just kind of say in addition to what david was saying really just kind of like 
I'm speaking more from a media side and really urging people who are jumping in to armchair quarterback this thing and offer their suggestions for what the union should have done and talk about the union organizers as if they were bumbling their way through this and didn't know what they were doing. Right. Again, you know, these people have been around for a long time. Like I Mm -hmm. walked through the RWDSU Mid-South Council headquarters with Randy Hadley he pointed out to me like all the certificates of successful union drives going back decades, including Plymouth, right? They know what they're doing. They have reasons for making the decisions that they were made. You can say that in retrospect, they were the wrong decisions, but please, please do not presume that a lot of thought and strategy and debate went into this. And the one other thing that I wanted to kind of uh, direct that point to is, you know, I think, I, I personally couldn't get through Jane McAlevey's piece. I think it's there's a lot of valuable wisdom in there, but I just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this right now. And I, I question whether or not now is the right time to come out with it. But I, I imagine she wrote it because there is a risk of people becoming so deflated by this defeat that they they exit from the struggle and, and she needed to push against that. Again, that's that's not my, you know, it's not my place to kind of judge that. Um, but one thing that I've seen a lot of people kind of using that article to to criticize is the union's decision to not do house calls and to instead focus on uh, people coming in and out of this massive Amazon facility, right? That may sound to you, again, as someone who maybe hasn't organized or who hasn't been there, it may sound crazy. They mm-hmm. they talked about this for many days and weeks right. and, and determined that this was the right choice for them. Again, because like David said, this is a massive facility. There are over 6,000 people working there. That's a lot of house calls, yeah. right? Especially when you take, if you've ever even canvassed, right, for a political candidate, you know that house calls, you have a very low rate of success or return. Most people don't answer. A lot of people say, oh, can you come back later? You leave something on the door, right? You get a very low rate of return on that. And so, you know, at least consider for a second that the union did think that they may be able to uh, connect with more people who had to come in and out of the Amazon workplace than to spend their human resources to uh, knock on doors all over the the county, uh, not knowing whether or not people were actually going to be there. But, you know, this is something, and this is what I was talking about before the break, is somebody critiquing from outside that don't understand. One thing that a lot of people don't understand was the fact that these workers are working 12-hour shifts. They're on this crazy-ass three-on, three-off, four-on, four-off type of, you don't know uh, what days these employees are working, what days they're not. They're working 12 hours a day. When they get home after you've worked 12 hours a day, you've got 12 hours to eat, sleep, and prepare for work tomorrow. And I think it was the right call. What I mean, do you really want people knocking on doors when you just worked off of a 12-hour shift from uh, 6 yesterday evening to 6 this morning or, you know, what have you? So I think, you know, that's, and yeah. It goes back to the, and I'm not going to keep beating her up because yeah. I don't like her, but that's my personal opinion. Uh, but you know, that's that's the problem with critiquing mm-hmm. when you're not involved. Yeah, it's easy to read your book and say the book says this is the way you do it, but guess what? This ain't a damn, you know, it, it ain't a damn. Uh, if 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 it was as easy as reading a book and this is how you win, then every every damn person out there would have a union today. But it ain't that way. We're dealing with humans. We're dealing with human nature. We're dealing with extremely 
a tremendous amount of dynamics mm-hmm. and 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 to always go back to this book the book yeah uh if the book so, worked everybody would be organized yeah yeah i'm i i like I like McAlevey a bit more than than David does, but I'm also, you know, I don't, I, I <laughs> but I'm I'm also a lot younger and a lot less experienced, so you know, there's that. But but you know, I, I I hear what you're saying, David. I hear what you're saying, Max, and I, you know, I think I think that's some valuable contributions. Speaking of dynamics and uh, big fights, there's a coal. We've got about 20 minutes left, but there's a coal miner strike in Alabama. Um, Max, why don't why don't you uh, you know tell us uh, you know tell us what what you've been seeing what you what what your thoughts are and and um, yeah. Well, I would uh, I might throw this back to you because uh, for <laughs> listeners, um, you know, when we're talking about uh, what media can do, right? I mean, I am very much um, you know I, I I I very much preach the good word of you know using the media that we have um to try to kind of you know achieve the goals that we want right and 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 to do creative things with media to and and the the bare fact is that you know we we live in a country uh where you know everything is kind of dominated by capitalism right and the and what i mean by that is that even when we're talking about media, we think like capitalists, right? We think as like our own private firms that are competing in a broad marketplace uh, to succeed. And if someone else is succeeding, it means we're not succeeding, right? That means that we, if we keep following that path, we are less able to do the work that we need to do if we want to use media as an organizing tool or as a tool for rehumanizing ourselves and our fellow workers uh, across the country and beyond. I say that because to to go against the grain there means that we should be collaborating with uh, across media operations like we're doing now and like we did this week on working people, right? I could not be in in Tuscaloosa County to go to the picket line and talk to the these mine workers who went on strike against Warrior Met Coal, uh, but Jacob could and and our and our boy Lee Baines could from the Glory mm-hmm. Fires. So we talked to them. We collaborated and we said, hey, Jacob, you got you and Lee go down there, interview some folks um, and we'll run it on working people as a full episode that's guest hosted by you two. And now we've been able to assure with that collaboration that more people know about this important strike. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm exceedingly proud of that. Right. I think we need more of that. And and it's one of the it, it's the thing that gets me up in the morning. Right. And and so I would toss things back to Jacob because he was the one interviewing these workers, um, you know, on the picket line. But, you know, I guess just to maybe set the table really quick. One of the things that Jacob and I talked about over the phone when he the day before he went to the picket line was the situation at Warrior Met Coal, right? The parent company that was bought out by Warrior Met Coal uh, about five years ago went bankrupt, right? Warrior Met Coal took over not only the open coal mines, but the coal reserve uh, land, uh, the land with coal reserves. This is the kind of coal that is used for making steel in the U.S. and, and Western Europe and stuff. Um, so it's a very important kind of coal for the larger production process uh, across the globe. And anyway, these workers uh, who were working for a bankrupt company were told that they had to tighten their belts. They had to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. They had to work together to get the company back in the black. And they did. 
workers did what they were asked to do. They did more than they were asked to do. They, they worked their butts off. And in fact, in uh, before the pandemic in 2019, Warrior Met Coal brought in over $300 million of net profit. And what did they do to repay them? Right. They, they, they asked the workers to make more concessions, to sacrifice more so that Warrior Met Coal could keep uh, its more of its profits and divert more of those profits that the workers made for them to their shareholders and so on and so forth. Just like companies like GM, General Motors did after the 2008 uh, Great Recession when auto workers, who I remember interviewing back in season one of Working People, they sacrificed, they took concessions, they tightened their belts, and they did what they needed to do to bring the company back in the black. And once they did, what happened You know, years later? GM uh, issued mass layoffs. They closed plants in place like Lordstown, and then they they took their record profits and they paid back their shareholders at the expense of working people. So we've seen this time and again, and it's unfolding here at Warrior Met Coal, and the workers there uh, are are pushing against it. They went on strike, and and they actually just rejected uh, the membership just rejected mm-hmm. uh, the tentative agreement that the union. The United Mine Workers had struck with uh, Warrior Met Coal, um, and so the strike continues. And so basically now that's the context, and I know we have limited time, but Jacob, I mean, what were you hearing from these workers uh, when you were talking to them? Yeah, we are, uh, we're about to come on, on uh, this break, and so I will talk some more about it on the other side uh, of this break. But but yeah, that's that's a really good rundown, Max. It's almost like uh, you do your research and you know what you're talking about. So we'll, you're we'll be right to back. The Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 876-4880. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. WVNN.
All right, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story in the studio learning the ropes, his future co-host Adam Keller. We've got on the line Dr. Maximilian Alvarez, host of Working People's Podcast and the real and editor-in-chief of the Real News Network. Uh, when I said on the other side, it's almost like you do your research, that was a self-deprecating comment in that I am often unprepared and go into things blind. David said that did not come across, so I wanted to make clear to you, Max, and to the audience that I have he's I mean he's a damn doctor right and I'm like so he obviously he does his research I am the one who often does not so and that speaking the, of which I'm gonna call you the next time I got a stomach ache I mean I, I, if you, you know there's some solidarity here I, I, I my doctor's expensive so I'm gonna holler at you David I'll just I'll just uh, warn you I am the living embodiment of that meme where someone is like having a heart attack on the ground and so, and someone's like, is there a doctor here? And a guy goes, I'm a doctor. And they're like, he needs CPR. And I was like, oh, I'm a doctor of history. And, yeah. then, and, the, and so like, I will be, I will be about as useful to you as that meme, but give me a call anytime, brother. But, but for all of us uneducated folks out here, a doctor's a doctor's a doctor. We're not going to know the difference. If you'll just start, if you'll tell me to do something, then I'll do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so we've got 1100 coal miners on strike and, uh, like Max said, I went down there, had some conversation with a bunch of them, and um, it, with Lee. Uh, Lee played some music. Uh, folks will recognize Lee. He he plays the intro for a lot of our uh, in, in, into our segments a lot. Um, obviously not live. They're recordings. We don't have them in a box playing for us. I wish segment. we did. That God, would be what cool. a what an amazing person. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I lo- I love Lee a lot, and and he he's so cool. But yeah, we went down there and we talked to him, and you know, like with, uh, I'm just going to be able to hit the highlights. But the the my highlight is. So my frame of reference, right, is having come from a white conservative evangelical family and that kind of ethos, right? The 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 ethos being that you you go to work, you don't ask nobody for nothing, you um, help folks when they're down, but like folks need to be self-sufficient, you need to be self-sufficient, you need to work, you need to work hard, you need to provide for yourself, for your family, things like that. And um and you know, there's just a very cultural kind of conservative work a day normal alabamian right yeah, that's, that's how uh, i grew up let me interject because i think it's important the to point out that along with those ethos is comes this one thing and this one thing that it, that really defines the difference between us and them mm-hmm. is you don't ask for anything you if you if you work hard enough mm-hmm it will come to you right right you don't mm-hmm. but but it's 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 almost against your religion to go right. in and demand right. more that's i mean that's it, we're on like so much the same wavelength because that's what stood out to me in those interviews is that these are like i could have I, and i said this on the episode i said i could be talking to anybody in my family right now the way that you're talking about like how important hard work is and how important providing for yourself is but like there's a break there exactly like david said is that a lot of it and and you know not um coincidentally the culture is that if you work hard things will just happen you don't have to do anything else you just work hard and things are going to happen and if it doesn't happen it wasn't meant to be 
Okay, these folks down there in Brookwood, they've got exactly the same ethos about I got to work hard, I got to provide, but I know what I'm worth. There's the that's the division there, right? That's where that's where there's a there's a fork in the road. They say they say you know I know what I'm worth. I'm going down two thousand feet below the earth. I could die any day. I could never come back up. I'm worth a hell of a lot, and I ain't getting it. And I'm gonna and and I'm and I'm gonna demand more. And I've got a right to demand more. And I'm gonna stand with my brothers and sisters in this union and on the job. And we're we're gonna walk off the job until we get what we deserve. Um, and and they were offered a contract that was so originally in the negotiations. The like you said, Max, they were asking for even more concessions on top of those huge concessions in 2015. And just to lay those out, I mean, those were huge concessions before they got paid lunch down there. They don't get to come up out of the mines um, uh, while they're working. They have to eat lunch down in the mines. There's not a McDonald's down there. There's not you know some of the some of the places don't even have tables right they've got to eat on the floor in these in these mines and they used to get paid 30 minutes for that which is not a whole lot but they got paid for it now oftentimes they don't before they couldn't be made to work seven days a week now they're often made to work seven days a week 10 hours a day don't get to go to church with their family with their uh with their children with their grandchildren um they uh they don't get very many holidays they took a seven dollar an hour pay cut seven dollars i mean that alone is insane they that's insane and the company had the gall to ask for more after like you said max record-breaking profit record-breaking production and millions of dollars in raises for their executives disgusting i mean evil like just evil stuff so this contract the tentative agreement that they had um was a little bit better but what was interesting about that to me david and and you know i I wonder if you picked up on this, is that a lot of times international unions will go out and they'll be like salesmen for the contracts. You know, even when the contracts aren't really that great, but they're wanting everybody to vote for it, and so they're really trying to sell it. That did not happen this time that I saw. Well, I mean, you got to... Like, it it was very much like, here's what we got. Let us know what you want to do. That's the vibe that I got. And so, and they voted it down, and they were like, no, we need more, and we're going to get more. And and so the the membership there voted to stay on strike, and that's what they're doing. And, and, you know, like, if if anybody could take anything away from that episode and from this little bit here, I would highly recommend going and and watching, listening to that. But if anybody could take anything away away from from this and and from that is, is that you can have that everybody got like most everybody that i know has that that like if i can work i want to work and i want to provide for myself and i want to provide for my family that is not inconsistent with saying i know what i'm worth and i'm going to fight for it not inconsistent at all yeah and and back to your point about you know the 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 union going out and selling it it's important to point out that that once again you know we say this all the time and we get caught up and 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 a lot of dialogue and forget uh the union did not go negotiate that contract the workers went in and negotiated that contract with the help of some uh paid staff of the union and and when we go in to negotiate a contract we've done information requests for a year prior to that and we know what the company's making we know what their profits are we know where they're going and 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 sometimes you do sell it because sometimes as a negotiating committee you come back and tell the membership we've seen what the profit line is we see the margins and we don't think it's fair to ask for for anymore well this is this is really the best we think we can get but in this case as max pointed out 
that's not the case that is right. you know they looked at it and they said we're getting screwed you're getting screwed and it's time to uh to stand up and fight and so yeah, yeah i mean you know the negotiating committee for all the faults that they have are very well researched and generally uh, fairly educated and understand what they can and can't get out of the company and and hopefully they do the right thing and and in this case they did they steered yeah. steered the workers the way they should be going yeah max we've got uh, just a minute or two left thanks what, so what are, much yeah, for what coming are your closing on max. Thoughts, max i mean really really yeah, we thank appreciate you. it um, I'm, like I said, honored to be here, guys, and I, I love and appreciate all the work that you have been doing. And since we've got about a minute left, I guess I just wanted to embarrass David and really kind of stress uh, again what a gift this show has been, uh, how amazing it's been to see uh, David, um, a fourth generation Alabama unionist, bring, da uh, bring Jacob kind of like under his wing and to see that dynamic unfold. And now that David's going back to organizing right the show, uh, with his imprint is going to live on. And I think that it has impacted the rest of us in this kind of labor media, left media, whatever you want to call it, realm. And one thing that I wanted to kind of say about that that ties it to everything we're talking about with miners at Warrior Met Coal is I, when I was driving 14 hours from Baltimore to Bessemer and I crossed the state lines and I made it into Alabama, I was listening to your guys' show on the Amazon uh, Union Drive. I was listening to David talk to Big Mike about things like honor and dignity and humanity. And I hope, yeah. if nothing else, anyone listening and anyone involved in media understands, like we're talking about here with this Warrior Met Cole, that you need to address those issues to build solidarity among WVNN working people. WVNN-FM yep. Trinity. Accumulus Station. It's 11 o'clock. News starts now.